Hi, Sex and the City fans. Megan McKeever here. Check out my podcast, Cosmos and the City, where I'll be watching through the entire series of Sex and the City with a slew of fabulous guests. Each week, we'll be talking through everything from who wore what and why to the hottie of the week. So grab a drink and join me on my journey. Thanks, and be sure to subscribe to Cosmos and the City in iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. Hello, and good news, everybody. Welcome to the podcast where I talk about this week's good news and people and places affecting the world in a positive way. This week's episode, I'm doing a long-distance guest. Uh, Her name is Oakley Boycott, and she lives in New York City. Whoa, 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 the Big Apple. Um, Because it's long-distance, it Uh, excuse the telephone sound. Um, Every time I use my telephone recorder, I feel like uh, from the podcast serial when she's talking to Adnan in the prison. Do you guys think, who do you guys think did it? I don't even know. But anytime I use my telephone, I've, it makes me feel like a true crime detective. But in this case, I'm just talking to a true gem of a person. Um, So this is an episode I'm very excited about, and I hope you enjoy. We're going to get right to that good news, but before we do, just a quick little sidebar. If you like the podcast, please rate and review it on iTunes. It's the only way to get this little good news machine noticed in the search results and just out there into the rest of the world. Also, it totally makes my day to see that someone enjoyed hearing some good news. Okay, second sidebar. Do you shop for things on Amazon? Well, aside from the ratings and reviews, the best way to support the show is by going to boardwalkaudio.com slash good news and clicking that little button that says support our artists. That will take you to Amazon where you just kind of shop around and do your stuff like you normally would. Then when you check out, Amazon kicks back a little percentage of what they make to the show. And that little percentage helps me keep the show a-going. So very cool, right? Okay, housekeeping time is over. Let's talk about those freaking good people out there making the world a better place. everybody. I am your host, Hannah Canningator, and my guest this week is Oakley Boycott. Oakley, we're headed, we're, you guys, we're over in New York City today. Uh, Oakley is an actress and an artist in New York City. You can see her right now at the Metropolitan Opera Puritani, and when she's not doing that, she spends her time as an activist standing up for people and diversity and love and everything good in the world. This is Oakley Boycott. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) You just made my heart so happy. (laughs) Oh. Yay. You make my heart happy on the red. (laughs) (laughs) That too, Uh, that too. Yeah. Uh, how are you today? I'm pretty 
pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, I was just thinking, this is like, since we're on a podcast about good news, um, one of the best pieces of news, it's not news, it's just like a thing that I think is amazing, um, that like the day after Valentine's Day is the best day because you just go and you buy all the candy for <gasps> 99 cents and it's great. Oh my gosh. Or like all of the things. And yesterday, You're so right. <laughs> and yesterday at, uh, at Trader Joe's or last night, they had, I went grocery shopping and they were just giving away all of these roses for what? I mean, I went, I bought a bunch of roses and then they were like, Oh, we just want to give away roses because it's Valentine's day. I was like, Jesus, I have so many roses now. It's just, I'm going to have a, a house full of roses. This is amazing. And so like my cashier gave me one. Um, I was like, well, what color do you like? And I was like, well, my favorite color is silver. And he was like, that's not, we can't. Was like, he was like, how about, how about a flower color? <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, okay. And so he gave me um, white. And then he was like, are you going home to spend Valentine's with anyone? I said, yes, I absolutely am. He said, great. Would this person also like a flower? Because you kind of mentioned that they were having a bad day. And I said, yeah, that would be great. He's like, great. Here's a red oh. one. And then as I was walking out of Trader Joe's, there they just had like people, like the Trader Joe's people, like five of them on the street giving roses to everybody. Like people... Everybody that walked by, they said, "Oh, here, have a flower. Happy Valentine's. Happy Valentine's." What? It was really, it was really great. I love that so much. <laughs> I love Trader Joe's employees. They are, except for some days when I'm like, "God, don't talk to me about them." <laughs> but like most days, I think they're so great. They're always like, uh, I always end up having conversations with them when I'm checking out. Right. Um, that's amazing. I mean, I mean, I think that has to be that it has to be part of their training. That yeah, like be like guys, be nice. Yeah, always like, and like engage, engage with people, make people feel good, and and I think they also treat their employees really well. I've had a few, I've known a few people that have uh, worked there, and they they get treated. I think they get treated really well, and yeah, with good benefits and and whatnot. So like. Awesome. I wouldn't like when you have a job in which people when your employers are good to you it makes you do your job better and so why would you not always do that and I think that Trader Joe's is a great example yeah love that uh, I love that yeah that's so nice right <laughs> so Valentine's is the best because you go and you get all of the things for 90% off and then all of the flowers at Trader Joe's that's so great. But like, yeah, good stuff. Good news. Good news. <laughs> um. Well, my first story is has is in New York City. Um. Yeah, I tried to pick things that uh, or the first couple things are things that pertain to. Well, this pertains to everybody. So, um, the the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Mm-hmm. Um, just last week implemented a new policy known as open access. So there, I spent a long time, like I looked this up and then I also today was like, I still don't think I understand this. So I spent a long time trying to understand further, but so they are basically making all the images of artwork 
that um, are believed to be in public domain at this point, uh, Mm -hmm. widely and freely available for unrestricted use at no cost. Um, And so this is like, I think this probably pertains to online use, but you can use it. Um, So both works it believes to be in public domain and those under copyright and other restrictions, including basic, oh, sorry, this is just jargon that I copied. That's not a good, uh, so basic. <laughs> but, oh my goodness, Hannah sounds so, like, IP smart. <laughs> like, intellectual property is copyright down. I yeah. I, know. <laughs> I don't. I, I, I copied this in huge font so that I could read it easier. <laughs> It's like everything else on the papers I printed out is like regular 12 and this is like at 36. (laughs) Um, But, okay, it's this program called Creative Commons, which I looked into, and they work basically um, their idea, which I feel like I'm down with and not down with at the same time, but I love the general ideas just to promote sharing of things. Mm -hmm. And mm-hmm. so there's this specific type of copyright called the Creative Commons Zero, which is this little symbol of a zero with a dash through it. So any image that you see, and now all now 375,000 images from the Metropolitan Art have this. There's a little zero icon on it, which means that you can use it, you can remix it, you can use it for your own stuff, you can make new things with it. Schools uh, oh, can wow. use it, businesses can use it. So, like, you can go ahead and have, uh, like, a Monet of your profile pics now. And if you pulled it from the Met side, they site, they wouldn't be sad. That's the most basic, <laughs> stupid way. They wouldn't be sad or, like, you wouldn't get sued. You wouldn't get sued. Yeah. <laughs> That's a better way. <laughs> um, and so they, uh, there's a really good quote. By okay, so this is from the CEO of Creative Commons, um, which aside from this, I guess Creative Commons works both to create public sharing if that's how you want your work to be, or they also work with artists to make specific copyright things for them. Mm-hmm. Of like, okay, so you want to share your work, but you still want it to be protected. They like help with all of that as well. But um, so the quote is. Sharing is fundamental to how we promote discovery, innovation, and collaboration in the digital age. Today, the Met has given the world a profound gift in service of its mission. The largest encyclopedia art museum in North America has eliminated the barriers that would otherwise prohibit access to its content and invited the world to use, remix, and share their public domain collections widely and without restrictions. This is an enormous gift to the world. And it is an act of significant leadership on the part of the institution. That's amazing. Yeah, super cool. So in public domain, most, so public domain basically means like the artist has been dead and then uh, usually 50 to 70 years after they have died is when their works go into public domain. Wow. So like a lot of stuff at the Met. Yeah. Does that that also include... Um, do you know if that includes like, I don't know, uh, photographs of sculptures and, and whatnot, do you know? Um, I think so. I would assume that anything that is, uh, the way it makes it sound is anything that is in public domain or considered to be in that 
mm-hmm. or any artists who have given their work to the museum and said this is now public domain. It includes all of that. Wow. So it basically means anything off their website. Any yeah. library or like art library of art uh images is now <clears throat> yeah, into public domain. And just you can pull images off the Met website and use them as much as you want to. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. And I'm wondering if it also means that you can go to, because can you take, I haven't been to the Met since high school. Um, can you, yeah. <laughs> um, can you take photos in there? I don't remember. Yeah. You can. You can. Um, just no flash. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Yes. Yes, you definitely. <laughs> um, have I gotten into trouble? No, I haven't. Um, we're good. Um, that's really amazing. Yeah. I like the idea yeah. that you can remix. Um, like, yeah, I just kind of like the, the whole idea behind it. Yeah. And it just makes it really accessible. I feel like the main point behind it was like, yeah, so many people go to the Met each year, but there is actually 10 times that amount of people who are on the Met online mm-hmm. and people who are trying to learn about this art from very far away. Mm-hmm. So in other countries and in other states. And so just making it accessible. I mean, it's like, like things that should be, should be for the people. Yeah. Right. Like it's already public domain, but then the Met technically owned it was basically the issue. Right. So the Met had copyright over it. Those things that were technically public domain. Public domain is cool. Like anytime I make a, like a little video, Mm -hmm. um, I guess in the past I've like made my own music, but if you're like quick trying to put something together and you want to put music to it, just Mm -hmm. search public domain jazz. Because anything, Art. yeah, anything that's like from uh, over a hundred, like a hundred years old or more, I feel like it's usually public domain. Yeah, because I keep getting in trouble for that. Yeah, so just for, for, yeah, just for with my dance parties, like I just don't post them anymore because I'm like, shoot, it's all. Yeah. I mean, I and then I get really mad. <laughs> well, why can't I post this video of me? dancing to Miley Cyrus because <laughs> I want to do it and it makes me feel good and I want to share how good I feel with all of the people. Yeah. With all of the people that are paying attention. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then I, I end up like, I end up just having, I was looking at this the other day. I just have like archival, archival dance parties <laughs> that I can't post anywhere because of the music that I, yeah, and I got in trouble, and I and I was like, I understand why I can't use it. I just don't like it. I don't like it. Here's what you could do. I'm pretty sure if you <laughs> if oh you God, go you... back and record yourself singing it. <laughs> no, I think they'll just use public domain. I think yeah, like... look up some old jazz and uh, just look. Uh, you can a lot of times on the internet. There's different sites that have public domain music. Yeah. Um, some people make public domain music, but my favorites are the ones 
because those can sound kind of generic. My favorites are the ones that are like jazz from like the early 1900s. Yeah. What this came, this was a while ago, but didn't, and this is, this. I remember thinking this is really funny, but like didn't happy birthday come on just become public domain recently? Yes. I remember that. And and because I remember thinking, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, this sounds so silly to say, but that's something that you think of like, oh yeah, somebody actually wrote that. Yeah. Right. Which is mean, a horrible, horrible thing to say, but like it's just so ingrained. <laughs> What's so funny about that to me is the song "Happy Birthday" sounds like somebody was awkwardly making it up on the spot. Like it sounds like somebody at a party who would be like, "Oh, it's your birthday! Happy <laughs> birthday to you!" <laughs> it doesn't sound like like a composed song. It sounds like the drunk lady at the party. <laughs> <laughs> so good of her to share. Yeah. <laughs> um okay, speaking of art, this next story is about a nonprofit um called Beautify Earth, which is it's a non profit dedicated to ending urban blight by painting the world in color. That's like their slogan. Um, so what they do is they, their mission is to basically just end every blank wall everywhere. (laughs) Um, so anytime that there's like a a blighted wall or a, like a rundown neighborhood, Mm -hmm. their mission is to go in and paint and create art out of all the blank space. And then like, um, like the, the main idea behind it is, do you know the the broken window theory? No. Is, so in, it's a, a a theory that was proven that so a building has broken windows and mm-hmm. it, it remains unfixed. That building then turns into a place of further vandalism and further destruction because of oh. that outer image of it. So <clears throat> like a, but if the windows get fixed, that doesn't happen. Right. So like um the the statement is like maintaining and moder- monitoring urban environments in a well-ordered condition may stop further vandalism and escalation into more serious crime. Um so and the other idea is like that neglect basically neglect is viral. So right. once you start neglecting something that continues. Um and that just when you look around and you're like in a place that's run down and blighted and doesn't lacks color or creativity, it like kind of creates uh, a social, like a sense of that hopelessness or like a sense of like depressing vibes, you know? Right. Um, so the idea is to go in to places that are like that and especially neighborhoods that can really need it the most and just create a ton of art. So it empowers the neighborhood and it um, encourages social responsibility and empowers um, artists. So one of the places they did it in New York, it started in Los Angeles and they've done a bunch. Like once I was looking at the website, I was like, oh yeah, I totally recognize those huge walls. Um, (laughs) They've done it in a bunch of different places, but 
The uh, one of the recent ones they did in New York, and they're also in Detroit, is um, after Hurricane Sandy, the Rockaways area in Queens, like that oh, yeah. beach beach area, um, had a lot of destruction in it. So all the wall, like you should go walk around there because all of the art that's there now on the walls was them coming in after the hurricane and painting everything. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, and they found that like sometimes businesses will have them come in and do it and it's all it's all volunteer usually and um they just raise money through um different GoFundMe's or through the people starting their own projects to basically pay for the supplies. Um yeah. but so like businesses that have had it happen may have like a fifth if it's a in a bad neighborhood or a place that looks downtrodden even though it's not really like they have a 50 percent increase in people coming in and spending time there that's amazing <clears throat> yeah so they just have these in the there's huge huge beautiful works of art and in la they do the i've noticed this always and then i realized it was them like all the power boxes that are on every block you know Yes. Like oh, metal. That's them. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Do you know if um, do you know if they work with artists within those communities at all? Yeah. So, um, like a lot of times, it's people wanting to start their own project. So the reason I actually found them is um, I also like tried to sign up because it's like if you want to be an artist, sign up. Mm -hmm. Um. And so, but a lot of times it's like started in a certain community. Um, like the reason I found it was because I always do a GoFundMe of the week where I go on to the GoFundMe stuff and just look around and find my favorite one. Right. But one of the ones I found was um, a high school counselor in South Los Angeles is starting one through. Mm. So she's, the high school is in partnership with Beautify Earth to get, um, it's like a because South LA is can be like sort of run down in areas, and so uh, they want to get the students involved and the student artists and just make like the all the high school outside walls covered in art. That's amazing. <clears throat> yeah, you know that was I mean side note, but like that was one of my favorite parts about our old high school was our mm -hmm. mural. Yeah, you know, like that. Those were just incredible to have around. Yeah. And, and it's also like such a history of of the place that we were in. Because mm -hmm. it was like every year was a new one and like what was happening in that year was painted in this mural. And I'm, yeah. I'm not saying by any means that we, it was like a rundown, whatever. Well, it was condemned. So I guess it kind it was. of was. Half of our high school was condemned and we had to eat lunch in the hallway. <laughs> so. But, but having, yeah, uh, having that, having that art and having that, uh, I mean, I guess our history written in the hallways through art, that was an incredible, wonderful thing to have. That was one of the saddest um, moments that I remember of our, our freshman year having to leave and like knowing that, yeah, <laughs> we were, knowing that we weren't going to see the art again. And that's why it's so important. Yeah. Um, um, I know I love, I like love this 
idea so much. And it definitely, it made me think of our high school murals a ton. Um, and I, I forgot to write it down, but there's another, it's, so there's another spot in New York, Hell's Kitchen, mm-hmm. uh, is there's a mural there that they're working on now, which is, uh, it was called Against Domestic Colonialism. It was originally painted in 1972. So it's a, it was a huge wall mural painted to represent the community having a say in like the planning of their environment and the response to the overreach of corporations, um, in urban development. So it's a big mural representing that. And in 2011, they, it's just the wall has kind of been falling apart. And so they've been trying to maybe restore it, but it has since been deemed too far gone. So now this, um, the 46 block association and beautify earth are working together with the building Um, owner to raise the funds and replace the mural to its original form. Once the wall has been restored. Uh, you said you don't remember where it was. Uh, 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 Do you remember the address? Exactly. Um, I don't. Um, Forty six block. So, oh, I'm right in front of my computer. Let me just look up the mural. Because I think I think I know what you're talking about, and I think that it actually is um, right around the, like literally right around the corner from my old apartment, which is. Which makes me feel special because I know where it is. Yeah, so. no, that's why I was excited yeah. to be with these ones because I was like, these are things that you can go look at yeah. um, in New York. Uh, against domestic colonialism, anti-gentrification mural, Hell's Kitchen. Um, West I mean, 40, is- so West 45th Street. That's right. I know exactly where it is. I, I thought that it was, yes. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'll send you. I'll send you a photo of it. Wait, isn't it a park? Yeah, it looks like it. There's like a basketball court right in front of it. Oh my God, Hannah, that's the it. That's right next door to my old apartment that I lived in with my mom and Phil. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, it's being well. That's kind of cool and yeah. uh, like symbolic. And- it's being completely restored. That's amazing. It's it's a like you can see that it's falling a little bit. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what it looks like from the photos. There's like holes. There's like big holes. (laughs) But but it's a really incredible mural, and oh, I'm so glad that they're fixing it. Um, and interesting fun fact, I believe if this is the same, I'm pretty sure it's the. I'm positive it's the same park. Um, but that was the park that the final scene of West Side Story was filmed in. Oh really? Where, yeah, I mean, the sad one where where he gets shot and everyone's sad. But oh. um, but I love that though. But that's cool. yeah, that's one of the first things I learned when I moved into that neighborhood. That's amazing that they're um, that they're revamping that. That's incredible. And uh, Hell's Kitchen is a pretty incredible neighborhood just because. But I. I just learned that, like, probably around the same time when um, when gentrification really started to take hold in in that space, uh, some sort of building codes were ended up being passed that you cannot build like within 
these certain blocks, like within mm-hmm. that actual neighborhood, you mm-hmm. cannot build any buildings higher than uh, certain stories. Oh, which tied, which tied into the the not wanting to become a gentrified neighborhood. Yeah, um, and it still has become very, very, very gentrified. But you can't like you can't build a giant high rise. Yeah, that's so great. It's very, it's very interesting. It's very strange that uh, there's like these huge high rises all around in Midtown, but just except for this little nook in Hell's Kitchen where you can't do that, and it's all like for the most part like brownstones and um, like apartments that have just been there for forever, and they st- they have to stay below a certain height, and that's just like preservation of the city, preservation of the history of the city that's always changing. So. Yeah. That's really cool. That is cool. But they're they're redoing this as the new as well. Yeah. That. I'm um yeah, I'm I think that's really cool. Do you like talking about things you're not qualified to talk about? Us too. The Dumb Nerds Podcast, a show where comedians talk about smart topics they're too dumb for. Every week, your host, that's me, Cassie Jerkins, invites a new funny guest on to get down and nerdy. Laugh and learn about topics like how to buy a house, the Terminator movies, and the Titanic. Check out Dumb Nerds today on your favorite podcast app. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to go visit. Yeah, so go, I mean... That one still probably looks the same because I don't think that they, I don't know if they fully, no, they should have started by now because this is like a while ago that they started this project. So maybe it has been fully restored. Um, but definitely the, in Queens at the Rockaway. Oh my um, God. I looked at a bunch of photo updates of that and there's a lot of walls there that are huge paintings. Oh my God. I would love to do that. And yeah. I'm doing this weekend. Yeah, yay. <laughs> um, okay. So now we are on uh, my actual GoFundMe of the week because that one led me into something better. But so this one, I thought you would like this one and it it just made me laugh a lot. I'm so, and... so excited. <laughs> I wish that you could understand how excited I am about this. <laughs> Uh, so, um, I especially like this one because, like, a lot of the times I go on GoFundMe, and it's all very beautiful. It's, like, people raising money for everything, but a lot of times it can be really sad, too, because it's just, like, people who need help and, uh, a lot of that. Um, but then this one like stood help, out to help, me. Like, help, help, and, like. Yeah, like, medical help and. Yeah, so, such and such is being shut down and help us raise money or so-and-so's in the hospital, which is w- another reason why I do this, because I think I like having this segment, because I like to highlight that people are always helping each other. But this one, this one is uh, a person who started to go fund me because they are planning on uh, placing a lost and found like a big ad in the um, News and Observer, which is in North Carolina, and it's going to be a lost and found ad for Senator Burr, um, who he was like the deciding vote on Betsy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she, the ad is going to run on the 19th. Um, so far, when I checked, she had raised enough money to get a quarter page ad. And so she, she's like, I plan to run the largest ad I can with the funds available. 
and then donate the rest to a suitable charity that supports education. But awesome. so, yeah, so this is what the ad is going to say because everybody has been calling and raising all their concerns. Um, and so the ad is going to say, lost, United States Senator. He may respond to the title, Senator Richard Burr. So his constituents have been unable to verify whether this is still the case as they have been unable to contact him in recent weeks. Senator Burr was recently reelected into the United States Senate and may be found in Washington, D.C. His concerned constituents have been trying to reach him by phone, email, fax, and the Postal Service about a variety of issues and have ultimately been unable to do so. If found, please return Senator Burr to his constituents by way of the town hall meeting or other suitable gathering in which Senator demonstrates his accountability to his constituents by opening lines of communication with them and listening to their concerns. <laughs> that's I like, uh, that, that takes, um, oof, that not, it doesn't take snark, but it takes some, that takes something to a whole new level. Yeah. Um, that's, that's pretty incredible and also so important. Yeah. I know, I, that, I know that a lot of people have been having trouble, um, communicating and, and feel, and feeling like they are being heard by their Congress people. And that's, well, I know we're supposed, this is supposed to be like a good feeling. Uh, on the podcast. That's not <laughs> a very good feeling to feel like you're not being heard, but I think that it's incredible on the flip side of that to, um, to see people taking action and, and em empowering themselves. Yeah. Um, regardless, I truly think that that's a, that's a nonpartisan issue that everyone should feel heard and everyone should like, feel like they are being listened to and that I it was such a shame with the, the Betsy DeVos vote because I think it seemed it was more of um, more of a partisan take instead of actually the constituents being listened to. So yeah, that's, really, that's so that's good that people are taking it upon themselves to, to express this. And yeah. And in like such a kind of humorous, way and uh putting it in the huge like the big newspaper for uh north carolina <laughs> yeah which is also like, also promoting like that's adding to the economy that's investing in the economy like the bigger the ad the more money that goes into that newspaper yeah it's like uh i think she raised like 1500 or something and that's how much a quarter page was a full page mm -hmm. ad is like eight thousand dollars or something mm -hmm. like that. So, but yeah, she was like, I, I'm going to be putting in at least a hundred dollars of my own money. Maybe more if other people are into this idea, let's get as big of a ad as we can. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's going to be there on the, <laughs> on the 19th. I just like it because um, like, she's obviously upset. And I was reading people's comments of, like, I've tried to call him a thousand times. I always get the voicemail. I've sent it to tons of the emails, never a response. Um, so, yeah, the uh, constituents feeling like they're not being heard. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, it, I, it's just a way of still being active in, in a way that's not overly complaining, but being like, hey, this isn't cool. Instead yeah, of, it's not cool. Instead like, of just should, bitching about it. Yeah, you should never, no matter, 
no matter who you are, no matter what your politics are, you should always feel as though you are being heard. Yeah. And that I, I believe that that has been a, a flaw. Yeah. Or a system for a very long time, not just with this uh, current administration, but I think that, like, that's been a, yeah, it's been a challenge for a lot of people. And I think that uh, that's kind of, we're now just sort of feeling that in a really, really intense way now. So it's good that, what's this woman's name again? Who's taking the ad out? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Evelyn, her, her name is Evelyn Johnson. Um, oh, by last night, she was up to 2000. So that's amazing. So she's going to do a quarter page ad. Um, yeah, and then anything left. She'll donate to you a uh, uh, charity that supports education. Super cool. Awesome. <laughs> you know, I, I know that you and I were talking about this the other day, and, and I'm just going to like, I'm just going to tie this in because I think that is it is a really good thing in it, even when I'm struggling in in however I feel about politics right now. And it's really hard to talk about because I feel like everyone just gets angry. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but. I think that both of us were kind of stoked when uh, we were talking about this the other day that um, and it's really hard. It's still very hard for me to actually make this into a sentence and not choke on my words, but I'm getting better at being stronger with saying it, that I, I personally am incredibly grateful right now that Donald Trump is the, that mm-hmm. he managed to take office. Um, that's that's good. I'm grateful that Donald Trump managed to take office um, because I think that even though this is just horrible and we're all feeling very challenged and hurt and not heard and it's scary and it feels like the world is crashing down around us. Um, I like I feel I know I don't feel I know that I am smarter. I know that I am more well informed in how our government works and how I feel about interacting with our government. I know that I have done things and partaken as in acts as an active citizen more than I ever would have. Yeah. If, you know, if Hillary Clinton had won and, um, and I thought, and because I was being cocky and mortal, I thought that I was doing a pretty good job at that before. And I know that that's not true. Yeah. And, um, and I know that I, that I'm working on and I know that I'm becoming a more empathetic person as well. And that wouldn't have happened if we aren't, didn't end up being in the state that we are in currently. So. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a catch 22. It's like, obviously uh, there's like, yeah, there's some bad shit and, um, but the flip side is that people are being a lot more active and educated than they may have. That uh, there was like a false sense of security, I think, that would have laid over everybody when there's like still all these problems that would have been there. There's still like um, issues of people being marginalized and the, the pipeline and like that, just so many things that still would have existed but just maybe not been brought to the, like, into clear view as they are right now of like, oh, yeah, we got some problems. We got to come together and we got to have empathy and listen to each other and figure out how to move forward as a yeah. collective. 
people. It's like really kickstarted that. Um, what, what were we saying the other day? We were talking about um, uh, the idea that it's not ever, I mean, it can't be when you, when you engage in um, debate or argument about politics currently. Um, it's, I mean, first of all, it's, it's a challenge to, to have empathy and we have to be practicing that, but it's really not even a matter. It's not a matter about proving that you're right. And it's not a matter about proving the other person wrong. It's, yeah. It's truly about showing up and engage and engaging in uncomfortable conversations um, until you can feel empathy. Yeah. Until you can actively feel empathy. Um, and there's really no wrong way. There's no wrong way to to practice empathy. It's just a matter of showing up and doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like, that's so hard. And I never, I mean, maybe I would have experienced that at some point in this intense way, in a different way in my life. But I'm, um, I'm really grateful that it's like, it's hard and it's good. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. So like, even, even when we see all of the terrible things and all of the bad things happening around us in the news and all over, it's still, it's still good because that, I think that empowers us to take action and exactly like, oh my God, I just forgot her name again. Who is the Kickstarter or the GoFundMe? What's her name again? Um, Evelyn, Evelyn Johnson. Evelyn Johnson. Just like Evelyn Johnson. Yeah. (laughs) To take, to take initiative and take action and to take humor with all of that and uh, also empower other people and say, would you like to join me in, in this action? Because I am feeling alone and I'm feeling not heard and I'm kind of feeling maybe a little bit helpless, but yeah, I'm going to ask for help and I'm going to ask for this community. And like, that's definitely, I mean, in that instance, it shouldn't really matter your politics. It should be, it should matter that you're being heard by the people who are representing your yeah, that you feel like they have fairly listened. Yeah. Yeah, that they've fairly listened to everybody and then made a decision off of that. That's why they're supposed to be having the job that they have. Exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. because they're supposed to be able to do that. Um yeah. yeah, so that and that whole idea of people becoming like more active and uh that leads me to this next story, which is about uh a college student. She's 19 years old. Um, Her name is Mary Pat Hector. She's a female African-American 19-year-old woman who's running for city council. Uh, Oh my God, I read about her. Yeah. That's that's my favorite. Oh my God. No. Yeah. Uh, She, and she is also, she also is like, um, I think the head of the, okay, so she's the youth director at the National Action Network in Atlanta, which um, the National Action Network is one of the leading civil rights organizations mm-hmm. in the nation, um, and it has chapters everywhere, but it's kind of, it works within the spirit and the tradition of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. to promote modern civil rights um, and agenda that, like, uh, decency, equal opportunities for all people, regardless of race, religion, nationality, and gender. Um, so that so she's already the youth director in her local chapter of that. And now, uh, yeah, now she's like getting into politics. 
Um, she says that people have challenged her eligibility because of her age, um, but she was. But there's actually no age requirement on the city charter, so that there's n- yeah, there's nothing technically that can keep her doing it. And she said, just because I'm a young person doesn't mean that I lack experience or the common sense to make common sense laws or pass common sense legislation or do things that would directly impact my community in a positive light. Yeah. Um, so she's preparing for her first debate as the youngest woman to have ever been eligible to run for office in the state. That is absolutely incredible. Yeah. So I mean, to to even just have the the guts to to do everything that she has done in her life. Like I, not that I feel incompetent. It's just yeah. Like, like, well, shoot, like I would, I mean, she's had the tenacity to go out and do more than I have done so far in my yeah. life and be like a, I think that, the, you know, leadership has no age limit or yeah. uh, minimum or like it doesn't, that's ridiculous. I know. I am. Um... If you can't, if you can't learn from everybody and if you can't be led by a true leader and without, you know, placing limitations on them, then yeah. who even are you? <laughs> who, who even are you? <laughs> uh, also, I guess at age 15, I'm just now seeing this part, she founded Youth in Action of the United States, which is now one of the nation's fastest growing nonprofit organizations. Um, wow. And just the fact that, uh, yeah, it's a, it's for youth to share stories, practice leadership, and create change in their community. And it's a nonprofit that she started when she was 15. Um, sometimes I just laugh when I'm reading stuff like this because I'm like, oh, my God, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, wait, what were we doing when we were 15? <laughs> we were, like, eating lunch in the hallway. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Playing snake on our Motorola. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's not a great whatever. We were we also did good stuff. We did, yeah, we, did. we did good job. A good job. Oh my god. We did a good job just because Betsy DeVos is the Secretary of Education does not mean that we can start talking poorly. We did good job. <laughs> we, we did good job. Um I like to, like, so she, I think she actually, so leading up to the, the debate, her opponent, like, wrote a letter in basically saying that she shouldn't be allowed to run because she's 19. Like, trying to stop the debate from happening based on her age, which says to me that he's <laughs> which scared. Is, yeah, says <laughs> to me that she's a badass. Yeah. Who, and that he's trying to find an easy way out like it, some easy logistical hang up to be like no you can't yeah because that's not oh my god that's ridiculous yeah that's absolutely um, ridiculous that that her opponent said that that says the world of this person yeah <laughs> uh yeah so silly but also so awesome yeah that's incredible like what a she's really still in college <laughs> 
God, when I was in my, so when I was 19 in college, I mean, just going to classes was like, just going to classes and I was in theater, so I did shows and stuff too. I mean, that's all I could handle. (laughs) What is she, uh, what's she going to school for? I imagine, um, mm, I couldn't find, but I imagine political science or something like that. <laughs> uh, but wouldn't just, that be great if like that, I mean, it would be great either way, but wouldn't it be great if it was just something like not even, yeah, not even for, related? It was like, I don't know, like, like culinary arts or something. Yeah. And she was like, but I also like believe in all of this stuff and yes. it's important and it is powerful and it is, I am totally valid in doing all of this. Yeah, she absolutely <laughs> is. Like, it didn't, it. It, you didn't have to have a, like, it shouldn't just be people that are studying politics or have degrees in these areas that should be active in them. I think that's another lesson that I've learned recently, that, like, that self-education is the most important. And, like, you can go and run for school board or city council, or you can do all of the things. You don't have to be, you don't have to be uh, specific to that. Yeah, you have to know I mean, about it. it. it you have to it, educate it, yourself. It's but... taught us anything. Oh, my God, I know. Um, yeah. Is it DeVos or is it DeVos? I can never remember. I was going to look it up earlier today. You know I what? I don't remember. I've heard it said both ways um, yeah. by people on various news networks, both uh, right and left wing. So I feel like nobody actually knows. No. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I like go to say to boss and then I already anybody who listens knows I already have a hard time reading people's names out loud. Um okay. Well moving away from politics, but I thought those were both good news, positive things. Keep oh, creating change people. Um, do you know I mean just on that note, uh how what was I forget what was oh my gosh. We're horrible with names, but what's the young woman's name that's running for city council? Oh, uh Mary Pat Hector. Right. Uh, Mary Pat Hector. How can we help her? Oh, that's a good question to ask. Um, So she's running specifically in Georgia. So I don't know if we would have a lot of say, but there's got to be like a, I'm sure she has like donation. Let's see, I'm on her website. And because she's, I mean, I guess she's, is she a millennial? Does that count? Yeah. She's a millennial. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I bet her website looks awesome. Yeah. She's like gorgeous. She just looks super strong. (laughs) Um, Gorgeous. Oh, my God. Uh, While you're looking this up, can I share a bit of good news? Yes. Um, And this is from the Metropolitan Opera um, that I just think is absolutely one of the coolest things that I've experienced there. Um, uh, So... I've I've been in rehearsal had been in rehearsal for Ipiratani for a while and we opened last Friday I think or this last this yeah this last Friday um, and the lead the the soprano uh, Diana had been sick for almost the entire rehearsal process apparently Aww. she's been sick for just for forever I think she's been sick since November she has two little toddlers and she's been really struggling and um, just with her illness. It's just like a cold um, of some sort, probably from having two little toddler boys. 
Um, yeah. So, she, so uh, we had only rehearsed with her two times, I think, and otherwise we had been rehearsing with her cover. Um, so it, like, it comes opening night, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be – Oh, geez, this is like the opera. I'm not super into this opera. I think the music's beautiful, but it's, I mean, it's a story about Puritans in Scotland. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the story is super great. It's super dramatic, but um, it's, I personally was not ever very intrigued by the story. And like you get on stage and it's just a bunch of pilgrims wandering around and being dramatic and singing opera. Um <laughs> The production, I think, is a, a like a sort of a revived production from I think the 60s. So I was, I was like, we're kind of all going into um, opening night, thinking, oh, geez, this is going to be. Like, I don't want to say it's going to be a bust because it's going to be good anyway. It's not going to be a bust, but like, it's not super thrilling. I don't know how I feel about this. It's kind of feeling a little blasé about it. Um, and we'd only rehearsed with Diana a couple times, and even and she's like this incredible opera diva, and just all of the best. But that's still nerve wracking. You're like, I don't yeah. know. I mean, is she even going to be on? She didn't go to the final dress rehearsal um, because she was so sick, and we just nobody knew. And so we get ready to go on. She's on for opening night, which is great, um, and. Like get ready to get dressed, go down, go down to the stage, and she uh, she goes on, and I'm listening to her sing, and I was like, oh my god, this one is incredible. Like she sounds uh, just like out of this world. She like, yeah. Her voice is still, I mean, of course, because this is her job. But like she, I was like, holy moly, she like she's been sick for so long. Thank goodness she got better. Um, Essentially, like we go out to do this scene with her, and, and in the scene, she's carrying this gorgeous bouquet of white flowers, of white roses, um, that are from her uh, her lover. And <laughs> it's like she's like singing to the roses all of the time, being like, "Oh, I love him so much," and all of the things in the mm, he. These are my wedding bouquet. This is my wedding bouquet of roses and yada yada. Um, and every time that she turns upstate, or like every time she stops singing. She has to turn up stage and is like coughing, just like coughing, coughing into these roses. Oh my God. She is on, it seemed from a backstage point of view, she seemed like she was kind of on the struggle bus. Like she was not well. Um, And, and then she would, you know, when it was her turn to sing, turn to the front of the house and just, she just slayed. Like (laughs) it was absolutely incredible. I was sitting, standing there, just my jaw hanging to the floor Totally, like she came and just showed me up and proved me wrong, which I love. Um, That's amazing. And I was like, for someone to come in and completely change your mind about a, a piece of work, about a piece of art, simply by them showing up and doing their job and doing it so well that it moves you, moves me to that point. Like it was just amazing. Um, and she, and we come off stage and like she goes into. Um, she has like a sort of a curtained off dressing area and she goes off stage and she's sitting down and, and I look over and she's like sitting at her little desk and gripping the table with tears streaming down her face, like trying so hard just to like get through this thing. Um, wow. And then like gets up, goes out and is perfect. Just like absolute perfection. 
and I and it's like the final uh, scene in the act, and she like is so sick, but you would not be able to tell if you didn't know what was happening behind the roses or behind the curtain. And yeah, I was like, that is just, like that's just the epitome of the artist as an athlete. I was like, there's no question in my mind that that is this is an athletic form. Yeah, and I was like, well, I guess I mean I don't have excuses I try not to have excuses for doing a poor job but I was just like she can do this and do it like this and and like be struggling so hard and still show up and inspire me to such a level that I like that the bar has been that I have raised the bar for myself by watching her that is just a gift like that was just incredible yeah oh I love that yeah it was so so cool. And then uh, last night we had another performance and she, she ended up calling out. She wasn't able to go on. Um, well, and, geez, that must have been really bad. <laughs> right? right? So we're all kind of like, fingers crossed, I hope she's okay. Um, and then we, so we get ready to go on stage and uh, we're told, oh, it's not actually going to be her cover, who we'd been rehearsing with for a, like a month or so. Um, it's going to be, and I don't, I don't know her last name, but her name is, her first name is Pretty. Oh. (laughs) It was like, oh my goodness, that's great. (laughs) And so, and she, um, I'll have to look her up, but, um, for someone who works at the opera, I don't know as much about opera as I should. Um, (laughs) but she apparently had just finished a run of the Barber of Seville. And on Saturday, and then they were they said, "Oh well, Diana's sick. Can you come in and sing the role in of uh, in Puritani?" And she comes in like had two hours of rehearsal, two oh hours my God. of rehearsal, and on, and with nobody except for the director, like two hours with the director, one hour with the maestro, and then she went on. That's and, crazy. Um, she's like she's just this absolutely stunning uh, African American woman in a play or in, not a play in, a, in an opera about Puritans in Scotland. So That's, I can't imagine yeah. how I would just, I, I mean, I would just imagine that would feel weird and also super empowering and badass. She was so good. She was doing things with her voice. I'm not sure how you do things like that. Wow. Just, like physically, I was like, how do humans make that sound? How did you just make that sound? How did you do that? And literally the entire time, everyone who was on stage with her was showing up to help her. Like everybody wanted her to succeed because that is a scary thing to do. Yeah. And like the chorus is, you know, in movement with her when she needs, like if she goes to a place that isn't obviously traditionally the block, it's like, we'll, we'll be there when you need us to be there. And yeah. ultimate, like, that just makes everybody look good. Because you want, wow. you never want something to be terrible, of course. You want to yeah. show up and do your job and you want everybody to look good. Um, and that was just a really amazing thing. And she just did phenomenally. Um, and then there was one point where she, she had her bouquet of flowers, her white roses, and she dropped them. She was supposed to throw them on the ground at a certain point And she threw them in the wrong place, I guess. And they landed like in the dark in a non-lit part of the stage. So, mm-hmm. so when she had to go find them again, she wouldn't be able to find them because they're in the dark. And the lighting designers 
automatically just like put a special and like recreated the lighting so she could climb kind of a thing so it's just like that was just the coolest thing yeah and it's like when everyone's working together to make this piece of art come to life and so my whole perspective on this uh opera or the production of this opera has completely been actually what I thought was going to be kind of not as fun as I would like to has ended up just being a really humongous and humbling gift yeah and uh, it was just it's just cool I love that yeah that's really cool yeah anyway that was my like kind of goody goodish news I like that a lot. That I experienced. I was like, oh, my God, this has been, like, something that I thought was going to be kind of lame has ended up being an incredible gift. Yeah. So. Very yeah. cool. I like yeah. that story. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, the You can just go to her website. MaryPatHector.com. So she does have a donate button there, and she also has her platform and all of that. Um, And you can, I mean, I wouldn't say we should do this because we don't live there, but if you live in Georgia, um, (laughs) you can share your concerns about what you feel she should add to her platform. Uh, And email her. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. So... Okay, now we're on to small town news. I always do small town news in Animal Corner at the end. <laughs> so this is in um, Woodland Park, Colorado, which is about the size of Lander. It's about 7,000-ish, mm-hmm. Um This story is really beautiful, actually. So this guy, Ira DeVay, he was at his sister's house and they were like cleaning out her attic and they found um, basically a portfolio that had been there probably for decades of um, his father's sketches. And so his father was a soldier in World War II and he never, I guess he never ever really talked about the war or the army very much. And he was in, he was, between 1941 and 1945, he was in the Central um, Pacific area, which includes Hawaii and, um, like, a lot of those islands. This portfolio they found of all his artwork is um, 15 portraits, or, like, wait, I think it's 17 portraits of fellow soldiers who were in the war with him. Like, beautiful charcoal sketches oh my god um and they're unnamed they just have the date they're all from 1943 wow um and so this guy is on a mission basically to find um all of the families of the men or the men uh because there's no names on the sketches he's just going off of the uh they were all probably in the 27 infantry division and around 1941 to 1943. So he's, like, trying to post the pictures. They found two. There was 17, and they found two. Um, and then he's trying to find the the others. And That's pretty incredible. One of the men that they found, they actually found his family because I think he passed away in the war. 
Wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm moving. Such a cool thing to find, especially if your dad, like, hadn't talked about, hadn't talked about any of it. Yeah. And did they, did they, he, did they know that he was an artist? I think they must have, because it seems like, or I think they knew that, yeah, that he could paint and there was, like, a bunch of other painting supplies in there. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they knew. They obviously didn't know about the war part or that he had made any of these sketches. Right. Wowzers. Yeah, I love that one. I love all <laughs> I always say that after every story. <laughs> I love that. Well, that's the point, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I found some good news. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll send you some of the. Usually I have my computer up and can show the person who I'm sitting next to all the photos and stuff. I'll send them to you after we hang up so you can see. Um, do you talking do you have a blog that I can go to with all this stuff on it? I do. I haven't been updating it because it gets a little too complicated. So then I started the Instagram. Or it's not too complicated. I, just, I have been running out of time. But it's all at hellohanks.com. <laughs> oh, good. I used to write an article every single morning. Um, but that with my work schedule and everything on top of doing the podcast has just proven to be a difficult thing to do every day. But now I'm, I'm transitioning over to just, uh, at least for people who just want to see images and things like that, the Instagram. Cool. At hello and good news. I am following you. Yeah. (laughs) My favorite was the, was the rooster. I love the rooster. And also, um, I've been using um, a lot of that, uh, the um, Department of Energy statistics. I went in and read about all of that and, like, yeah, it was really cool? hard to figure out. But, like, yeah, uh, <laughs> like, oh, my God, all of the things. But, like, again, tying into just self-education. Yeah. And um, I know that I'm I'm better, I am smarter, and I am more informed by by doing all of this. Yeah. So thank you for helping with that. <laughs> I'm glad that um yeah, I'm glad that you're you went there. You're following. <laughs> <laughs> um okay, now we're to the end which is Animal Corner. Animal 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 Corner. This one is about a <laughs> It's in Meridian, Idaho, and it's about a pet squirrel. (laughs) So this guy, um, crap, I forgot to write down the name of the guy who owns the squirrel, but the squirrel's name is Joey. And this guy comes home, and he has had the squirrel forever. He comes home, and he's like, the house seems like a little bit off, and he his squirrel is like running around and has like kind of a manic energy and squirrel (laughs) yeah (laughs) and he goes into his like he starts looking around the house there's like a door open in a place that doesn't make sense and he's noticing like more doors open and then he he goes into like where his gun collection is in idaho he has a dang gun collection he goes (laughs) and finds that and like there's he has stuff missing so like obviously somebody had come in and was robbing him but then there wasn't like a ton of stuff that was gone 
It was like just the smallest, like just the beginning is what it seemed like. But so we called the police and they, um, they like start doing an investigation. And uh, I think they find a couple people for questioning. And then at one point, the police officer, Ashley Turner, is like over at his house walking through the like whole crime scene again. And this like squirrel, Joey, darts out and is like running around underneath her feet. And she's like, oh, my God, what is that? He's like, oh, that's my, that's my pet squirrel, Joey. He does that. And she was like, does he ever bite or anything? He's like, no, he's usually really docile, but I mean, he's a squirrel. So I guess if he ever felt like he was in danger, he would. So they had a certain number of guys that they were questioning and they ended up finding the guy who like had the stuff missing from his house. And she when she was questioning him about the robbery, she noticed he had scratches and marks and like bites all over his arm. And she, so she asked him about it and he was like, yeah, I, that squirrel jumped on me and started biting me and scratching me and freaking out. So I had to like bail. Like I, I, I couldn't get it off of me. So I, I only stole like this couple of things and had to leave. <laughs> so it was That's like a- amazing. <laughs> The squirrel prevented like a huge robbery and also made it so they could find the guy. Bite me oh. <laughs> he just like freaked the F out on this <laughs> burglar. <laughs> Which how scary would that be if you're like coming in to rob a house and you're like, great, there's no dog. Like it looks like there's nobody home. And you're like going through the gun collection and then this tiny thing jumps on you and starts freaking out. I mean, that's kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. But... And they're so like fast and small. That's <laughs> <laughs> not that's like I can't really think of any other other animal that would be like to be attacked by a squirrel would be the worst. <laughs> be so crappy. And the video, I'll send you the video, because they they obviously don't have a video of him doing. At first, I was like, oh my god, do they have security footage from his house of this squirrel like attacking this man? They don't, but they just have like the news is in there, and they just have a bunch of footage of this squirrel Joey just like running around. (laughs) (laughs) Oh jeez! Oh my god. So lesson, we should all just start buying squirrels. Yeah. <laughs> like have a good watch squirrel. A good watch squirrel squirrel is good to have. Forget forget your weird cat. <laughs> have a watch squirrel. He'll fight off burglars. <laughs> I know I was like, Oh wait, you can have cut squirrel? I didn't know. <laughs> um uh so Jesse, my partner. Yeah, he, uh, he can talk to squirrels. Really? <laughs> In like a really awesome, intense way. <laughs> As in, like he he um, we were walking through the park one day uh, with another friend of ours uh, through Washington Square Park, and and we saw a bunch of squirrels. And I, I turned to our other friend. I was like, Jumana, did you did you know that Jesse can talk to squirrels? And she just looks at me like I'm insane. And I was like, no, he like he's like the squirrel whisperer. And oh my as god! I'm, as as I'm telling her this, Jesse had sort of stopped and was walking behind us a little bit, and like goes over to the lawn, to the grassy area, and starts talking to the squirrels. 
and, and like is kind of still walking along with us and the squirrels start coming everywhere. The squirrels start coming. He's like the big piper of squirrels. It is the funniest thing. And I'm always like, don't do that because what if they're rabid? I don't know. I don't want them. Like, like the squirrels will sit on him. Like they say, we'll just like sit in on his shoulder, like sit in his lap. If you, if I, if we let this happen. Yeah. If I'm not around. I wonder if he was a squirrel in another life. I don't know. It's funny, but uh, uh, Jamana, the friend that we were with, her her nickname for me is Squirrel. Oh. So I, when, you, when you were like, oh, I have a hint for one of the topics we're going to be talking about today, it's Squirrel. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, good, great. So that's, that's a good common theme to have. That's it. Maybe it's your spirit animal. Like, oh, awesome. God. Hawkins oh, are my spirit animal. You just have That's to accept that. it. <laughs> Do, have you talked about your possum experience at all on Good News? Uh, I can't remember. I think maybe I... No, I haven't. Maybe well, That's for another episode, maybe. Yeah. Long story short, I'm slowly paying off a large <laughs> emergency <laughs> room rabies bill because of an experience I had with a possum. Maybe we should start a GoFundMe. Yeah. I know I've thought about it. I'm almost there. Slowly but surely. <laughs> I'm constantly calling the hospital being like, but can I pay less? And they're always like, no. I'm like, okay, well. <laughs> In a couple that, was months, just, <laughs> that was also just a ridiculous experience that you had with the, the healthcare system. Oh, yeah. I learned, I learned so much. If yeah. anybody ever... If you're in a metropolitan area and you have to get a rabies shot, message me and I'll call you and walk you through <laughs> what needs to happen. Because you'll need to get a lot of them and it's going to be awful trying to get it done. But on the plus side, you made a great Snapchat story. I did. And it's really funny. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> I think this is a good uh, good note to end on. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my I, god, this is the best. This is so fun. Thank you for sharing your good news story. And awesome. thank you for being on today. Yeah, this is a blast. Um, what do I? Oh, yes. The sign off is good news later. Good news later. Cool. Well, <laughs> uh-huh. you got it. Thanks for listening to the Good News Podcast. If you want to check out any of the articles or photos on the blog or send me somebody who you think is making great news, go to hellohank.com. And if you like the podcast, rate and subscribe. And a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now. Hey, it's Josh Simpson and Jake Jabour from The Meat Improv. The Meat Improv is a comedy podcast where we bring on the best comedians in the world to tell meaty stories from their lives, and then they do improv comedy with us. You don't think we're good at improv? Check out this little snippet from Jake Jabour's real life. Hey, where's all my cats? <laughs> he never knows. The Meat Improv. You can listen to it on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. That's The Meat Improv.